Hi, I'm Peter Switzer and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. Now, I've always learned a lot from the greats of sport. Let's face it, most of us would love to have been great at sport. And because of that, the people who really make it have something special I think we all can learn from. And you know, when you think about it, the greats of the money world, Warren Buffett, Ray Dahlia, they too have great lessons we can learn from. I don't know much about ice hockey, but the Americans tell me that the Canadian Wayne Gretzky was one of the all-time greats. And he's famous for his outstanding observation, captured in his vice, which runs something like this, skate to where the puck is going to be, not, to, not from where it has been. Now, the same applies to many quality companies out of favour. In May, Tony Featherston told you that the banks were a really good buy, and I wrote a piece in the Switzer Daily around the same time with the headline, is it time to buy the CBA? The answer was yes, it was a $58 stock at the time, and it's now $88. That's a 51% gain in 10 months using and investing in one of the best banks in the world. So on this week's show, I'm chasing companies which might be out of favour right now, and I'm looking to where their share price might be going higher in the future. To help me, I have June Bailu from Tribeca Alpha Fund, Paul Rickard from The Switzer Report, and Julia Lee from Burnby Invest. So let's go chasing those quality companies that are badly mispriced right now, which we hope will go higher in the future, provided you're prepared to wait. Let's kick off with June Bailu. Thanks for joining us, June Bailu. It's always great to be here, Peter. Yeah, now, I want to, before we start talking about stocks, I want to try and understand how you're seeing this unusual development that the bond market's taking off, mm. ignoring the central banks of the world, mm. believing that the, the big boom's going to create inflation and higher mm. interest rates, and that's kind of knocking around a number of stocks. How do you see all this playing out? Hey, that's a really, really good question. Look, we, we said at the beginning of the year that uh, this year will be the year of reflation, which means expectations of inflation will come back. Not mm. so much we're seeing it, but expectations of it. So that's what's been happening. Yep. People are expecting economic growth will be better, as we have heard from all the corporates at the reporting season, things yeah. are much better than expected yeah. and outlook looks great. So um, with all of that, um, you know, we are seeing that bond yield, you know, is, is going higher. What that means is that the tech companies, the high growth business, um, their entire valuation, well, a lot of valuation has come from uh, the cheaper interest rates. Um, so the jump in that bond yield certainly has affected their valuation. Mm. Um, so a lot of investors are now taking profit in that sector, which have done very well, mm. into the companies that haven't done so well. So we will continue to see that leadership change over the next 12 months. Um, it certainly has happened very quickly. So my view is that um, you will see a bit of normalization. Some of the tech will start getting bid because they sold off too much. Yeah. But over the 12 months, you will see some of the underperforming sector to do better this year mm. just because earnings looking much better. Yeah, so what, what you're really talking about is a rotation out of mm. the stocks that were doing really well mm. into the ones that weren't mm. because those ones are likely to benefit from the reopening of economies, the normalization of business and all those sorts of things. That's right. But what's really exciting is that, um, you know, I'm always looking at what's the next opportunity mm. is that some of the um, best quality tech companies are now um, actually has come off to yeah. 30, 40 percent, yeah. uh, potentially more. But, you know, these are the levels where, you know, once in a decade sort mm. of opportunity for some of those growth businesses, because ultimately lower interest rate will be here to stay. Mm. Yes, the potentially will go up a little bit, but just returning to normal levels and the growth will be hard to come by, time to buy those businesses. And what's a little bit amusing, Jim Bay Lu, is that um, these tech companies 
often don't make profit anyway. So the impact of higher interest rates is not going to be reducing <laughs> their profits. It might slow down their acquisitions, but even then the rise, the rise in interest rates is not significant enough to stop a zip or an afterpay buying another company if they really want to buy that company. Absolutely. And the good tech and smart tech, they already raised enough capital on their balance sheet. Both Afterpay has done it, Zip has done it. They're well capitalized to mm. generate that continued growth over the next uh, many years to come. So, mm. um, you know, great about buying opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever buy overseas stocks or is all, all Australian? Uh, at the moment, all Australian, but we do keep track of what's happening overseas mm. because, you know, what's happening in the US market tend to translate into our market, even though it has little to do with what's happening yeah. in our market, um, which is, you know, it's important. If to you saw going. Tesla at $500, would you be tempted? <laughs> <laughs> I think Tesla is a stock that, um, you know, taking a long term, there will be significant amount of interest, mm. uh, simply because this, uh, um, you know, shift and focus into the ESG fund. Yeah. And Tesla is a big weighting in that space. Mm. Um, you saw mm. the lithium rate running and, you know, uh, copper and a whole lot of other material mm. going to those EV space. Mm. Um, I just think take a longer term view, this is a company that will be a very dominant factor. Of so you're, you're saying not only is it in the right sector of the car industry, namely the EV electronic vehicle, mm. they're also going to be supported by those funds that buy mm. ESG, environmentally social and what's the G bit? Uh, governance. governance yeah, yeah. So it, that's a big rise. So, yeah. so in the US, a lot over the last year, 40% of the uh, passive index flow has has gone into the ESG related funds. So yeah. it's a huge focus now. Uh, going forward, there will be more so. Um, you know, Tesla right now, it's like all the tech company. Uh, it's a bit expensive, um, you know, how, how much you pay for it. But over the next 12 months, you have a lot of opportunities of uh, building position in those sort of companies. Okay. Let's go through some of the companies that in Australia that now are our favour. Mm but you think are going to be doing well maybe in a year or, or two years. So what, what, what are some of the, the favourite ones that you think? And by the way, do you buy for the long term as well as the short term? Yeah, I buy both because mm. I believe uh, without the long term view mm. of a stock, there's no way you can anchor what you want to pay for it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, too hard to predict what the market might do tomorrow or next week or next month. But mm. much easier to say it's going there in 12 months, in five years. And for a stock, mm. um, especially a growth stock, in five years, I know it's a whole lot bigger than it is today. Okay. So, yeah, so we are seeing a lot of opportunities in this market, um, you know, especially for the growth leaders. Um, some of the healthcare has been sold off. Yeah. Meaningfully, um, you know, the biggest stock in the market. Can you work that one out? Is it, is it what, because we're, we're less threatened by the coronavirus, <laughs> therefore we don't need healthcare? Yeah, look, I, I think, um, you know, it's an it's interesting observation. I think it's mainly because they, they are expensive. It is a very expensive sector. Okay. So the leader of the sector is CSL, clearly. Mm. Now, it's only actually has been impacted by coronavirus-related shutdown because mm. they can't collect enough blood, yeah. which means the earnings will actually not grow as much over the next few years. Now, it's trading on a very big multiple, um, actually more expensive um, than what it has been over the last few years because the growth has come off mm. uh, because of the short-term impact. So, um, you know, investors are not going to look at this stock over the next 12 months. It's mm. going to be tough. Mm. Um, but relatively, um, you know, similar space, it's also in healthcare. Cochlear looks a little bit more interesting relative to CSL. Mm. Expensive, yeah. but so it should be. This is one company that, you know, take a 10-year view, it will continue to have that structural growth driver, cochlear implant. Yeah. It's not impacting 
impacted by economic growth, it's not impacted by many things. And another, um, on top of it, it has that reopening thematic because a lot of uh, cochlear um, centers were shut um, mm -hmm. because of COVID. So now that you have that reopening, so the earning actually will grow a little bit faster than what it normally is over the next 12 months. So, you know, when you have to look at large cap um, cochlear, that one looks little bit better mm. uh, but together they will probably underperform uh, the likes of energy sector and others mm. Ramsey in, is, in is the next year but in the next if year if we take a three to four year view oh, yeah, uh, would you be like, like for example if a very close relative of yours was putting together their portfolio for the first time and they said to you June Bay Lou I'm looking at CSL at $245 is this a good entry price what would you say yeah you'll put it yeah it's a um, bottom draw stock CSL mm. cochlear you'll mm. buy it in, in three years' time, uh, probably will take two okay. years, it will be higher. Let's move in, into some of the, the tech stocks that were once really loved. Mm. Um, and I've got one here, uh, Altium, that I think the analysts believe is about 28.5% upside. And, do you trust the analysts? <laughs> hmm. um, look, analysts, they tend to move with whichever the direction <coughs> of the share price is. Yeah. And uh, currently, most of them are lack conviction at this point hmm. because most of their business have been impacted by the COVID-related shutdown. Yeah. They do require a lot of salespeople to go out and sell the licenses. And quite frankly, they couldn't do that. Hmm. So the earnings being impacted. Uh, on top of it, another thing is that they started transitioning into selling one-off license hmm. uh, to uh, ongoing annual license fees. So it's shifting from you know, a big revenue number to, um, you know, more stable revenue um, earning sort of SaaS sort of model. So in that transition phase, earning doesn't look great, right? Because instead of one-off revenue, it's more three yeah. over the three years. Um, but uh, look, you know, I think if you take a two-year view, this is a great company. It's got a good positioning. Um, it's got a lot going for it, but near-term earnings not going to grow uh, okay. for the next 12 months. So, okay. yeah. So that was one for me. Give, give us one that you think is not being loved right now. It's a great quality company, and you'd be happy to put it into a relative's portfolio <laughs> for the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, uh, well, can I add Treasury Wine? Does that call not luck? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, in fact, I've got Treasury yeah. Wine states on my story today. Yeah, so I think Treasury Wine, um, you know, we, we love that. Yeah, but you do it's like wine, don't you? I do like my wine. <laughs> I do like my wine. I'm yeah. actually going for their wine tasting for their new, they just launched the California version of the um, of um, um, the Penfold. Oh, great. Um, yeah, on great. That's mm. right. So mm. it's actually quite exciting. You know, that's the... Um, that is a clear demonstration of a strong brand, you know, mm. and then uh, with a global distribution. Um, and, you know, if, if you can't sell it out of Australia, there's someone else around the world wanting that brand because there's so much brand goodwill. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, share price down because of the trade conflict. But look, mm. these things will phase out over a period of time. Yeah. As long as you have a strong brand, someone will want to buy it. Mm. Um, but you're not there because of that. So you're there for, you know, the global um, opportunity for this, um, for this business. Yeah. Um, clearly, there's um, you know, speculation of different people wanting to buy uh, Treasury and Y. Um, you know, quite frankly, I thought it should come much, much earlier just because how rare and how difficult it is to build brands. I can imagine the Americans looking at the Grange uh, range and coming up with an ad like Home on the Grange. <laughs> That's <laughs> which right. is an American <laughs> joke, which you, you're probably too young to remember <laughs> that, that saying. Uh, now, Jim Balu, that's, that's TWE. Now, a stock that you've liked in the past and it's had a runabouts, but I'm really keen to see whether you still like it, A2 Milk. Uh, I think A2 Milk has um, 
it absolutely represents value now. Mm. Um, you know, we know, <laughs> look, we talked about the result mm. will be weak and yeah. we talked about another downgrade, but no downgrade is ever priced in. Mm. So potentially there could be one or two, yeah. simply because of the disruption. People bought too much um, infant formula and now there's a bit of indigestion and because there's no <laughs> traveling <laughs> and there's no traveling. So, you know, the Daigo channel where they ship a lot of their volume has been interrupted. People yeah. can't travel and, you know, move them around. So that will come back, but it just, you know, we, our border still not technically, you know, that easily yeah. moving about. It seems so to me when the Chinese tourism comes back to Australia, and we're talking over a million Chinese will come Absolutely, in here. yeah. A lot of them were taking a lot of A2 milk products home With in their them. bags. That's it. Yeah. That and students as yeah. well. So, you know, all of that, um, it will come back. It will just take time. But it absolutely represents value. That's another thing that we talk to. It's a brand. It's difficult to build brands in place like China. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's something for the bottom draw. Um, but, you know, probably not going to do much until there's a, um, you know, we've started cycling those weaker Okay. Homes. Now, this is an easy stock to buy because the company is a great company. And the analysts think there's about 13.4% upside, which seems like a, a nice game with a company like JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> you know, so, like, you know, it, it is a, it's really a bomb-proof business, isn't it, when mm. you can buy it at a low price. And it always seems to uh, get, get it right when it gets to reporting season. Mm. For a person, once again, who's putting together a portfolio for mm. the long term, mm. at current prices, is JB Hi-Fi in the right price neighbourhood? Uh, okay, if you invest for the long term, you can get it cheaper. Um, so that's my view. You, think you might see it a bit lower sometimes. You can get it year. lower. That's right. Because um, over the next six months may still be good, but these a lot of those businesses have been the long beneficiary or the big beneficiary of the COVID. Yeah. Um, people were setting up home offices, people were doing all that, and all the stimulus and mm. checks, and people went out and bought all the gadgets. Yeah. Um, so, you know, next six months, we'll probably still have continued um, spending on that front, yeah. but when they're cycling those big comps, just not sustainable. Yeah. They're going to have a period of negative growth over mm. the next. 12 months. Because the other graph is just so big. It's That's just, right. Yeah. That's and, right. And if you average out their last five years of growth, Assuming. that number will be bigger. Exactly. They should pull forward a lot of growth. And yeah. so my view is that you'll get it cheaper, but it is something that you want to buy when it does fall. It's incredibly well-run business. Mm. Um, and it has uh, you know, uh, quite a lot of growth opportunities with the good guys. In okay, market. last one. Mm. We, are, we have been talking about, okay, there's a rotation out of the stocks that did really well during the coronavirus period, into the ones that are going to benefit most from uh, the, the op opening of the economy and stuff like that. What is the one stock that you think is going to be a fantastic beneficiary of the vaccinations working, uh, hospitality starting to improve, travel starting <laughs> to increase? What's the one? I know the other day Rudy Philippic Van Dyke, uh, when I mentioned my Zeet stocks at Zip, Elmo, mm. uh, Elmo, uh, EML, and Tyro. He said he really likes EML for future going forward. But what, what is the one that you like going forward? Look, I think um, you know, just even look at that uh, out of favor sector like mm. the tech. Um, I like Tyro because it's underperformed significantly mm. because of short seller report and all of that. But you, if you look at the current transaction growth, uh, it's been quite incredible. Mm. Huge beneficiary of reopening because the hotel, uh, well, cafes and restaurants were shut down and, and mm. the like. And then they've got this Bendigo deal that's just about to kick off. Um, that would deliver significant growth even just from fourth quarter onwards. This company would deliver quite a lot of growth mm. without that big price tag, other ones. And I, I guess what you'd also say is that 
the one big problem, namely the terminal problem, really wasn't theirs, it was a manufacturer's mm. issue. Mm. And they've now replaced those terminals and given everybody a, a backup dongle if ever mm. anything happened again. So they, they seem to address their one big issue. Well, Jim mm. Bailey, great seeing you. Thank you very much. And I, th I guess all my viewers are hoping that you're absolutely 100% right. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> Thank you. Jim Bailu from Tribeca Alpha Plus. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, ten years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Joining me on the program now is June... <laughs> Joining me on the program now is Julia Lee from Bourbon Invest. Julia, thanks for joining us. All right, now I gave you a bit of a heads up that I want to look at the stocks that might be out of love right now, but in the future might be attractive. But let, let's, let people understand the way you invest because you don't usually invest that way, do you? you? You try to pick up the stocks that have momentum. You try to pick those times when rotation's happening and, and take the profit on the ones that have done well and then try and buy the ones that are on the way up. Is that, is that a pretty fair summation? those COVID losers on expectation that we are going to see momentum in terms of earnings and also price coming back into the stocks in the second half of this year, especially as the vaccine is rolled out. So I think it's a pretty exciting time, um, but also a pretty volatile time given what we are seeing with bond yields and the havoc it's uh, playing with the market at the moment. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it, uh, Julia? It seems to me that the, the latest news coming out of the US with the Biden stimulus the market's now saying, okay, well, I know interest rates are going to rise, but I think the US economy is going to really boom. So growth up, profits up, stock prices up, but now we've got to work against the interest rate issues. But at least over the weekend, stock prices won over the interest rate concerns. It is a bit of a tug of war. You're absolutely right, Pete. And look, in terms of the earnings picture, things are looking more and more positive, especially here in Australia. Mm. During the half-year reporting season, we saw upgrades to earnings per share growth forecast, and that's a really positive environment for investors. So look, I think the market will still end the year higher, but in between, we are likely to see these bouts of volatility because of what's happening with bond yields. And really, when bond yields go up, some of those bond uh, yield-sensitive sectors are hit hard and we saw that on the market today where we did see the industrial sector being hit because we do see those infrastructure stocks like Transurban, Sydney airports, Auckland airports being valued less as in, in interest rates go up and also high yielding sectors like the property sector also being hit. The other area that's hit is tech because those future cash flows seem less valuable at uh, today's price. So we are seeing those companies which are valued mostly on future growth being punished hard because of those rising bond yields. And I suspect, Pete, that this is a theme that investors will have to get comfortable with in 2021. Yeah. So I want to run through some stocks I'm happy to buy now and hold for a year or two because I think the gains will be big over that period of time. But I might be disappointed for six or nine months. 
But what are, what are say a couple of companies that you are buying now because you think they will do well in 2021? Sure. Um, I guess uh, the first stock that we like is Monadelphus. Now, the stock is down 20% in 2021, but I think this will be temporary. And if we have a look at mining services companies, they get their cash flow from basically the commodity cycle. Mm. And the miners have been running hard because of high commodity prices. The mining services are a second derivative, so they seem to go up a little bit later than those mining companies. Yep. So I think the growth is yet to come. And Monadelphus is the premium of the mining services companies. It services BHP Williton, Rio Tinto, Fortescue, and it is heavily reliant on things like iron ore and the oil and gas space, both commodities that have been doing extremely well. So look, Monadelphus, I think if you're looking at it, now would be the time to buy because I suspect we've reached a, a, a trap, uh, uh, the low point in terms of the cycle here for mining services, especially given the strength that we've seen in mining companies as well as commodity prices. I think those mining services companies are going to do well in 2021. Okay, that's your first one. What's your second one? I guess if we have a, a look across the market, I'm also looking at companies in an upgrade cycle. Um, we saw a 1.9 trillion US dollar stimulus package being uh, released. And there's some interesting things which come out of that. One obvious beneficiary is the consumer spending sector, but also credit corp. Because if we have a look at what happens when people owe money, if they do get that windfall check, some of that money is going to go towards paying off their debt. So it should be a good environment for Credit Corp um, with that 1.9 trillion stimulus package. And also if we have a look at US jobs on Friday, a double the expected number of jobs were added in mm. February, also mm. a strong uh, strong sign for, the, for a, a debt collection company like Credit Corp, which is expanding very heavily in terms of the US. Yeah, okay. now I wanna throw these companies to you. These are ones that, uh, they're mainly liked by the analysts, but I, I think they're, they're long-term buys now for a hold where you might make the money over the next two years. CSL. Ah, CSL. I mean, this is a darling of the market and it's such a hard one. I think this really encapsulates what a lot of investors are struggling with with stocks at the moment. One is a short-term outlook versus a long-term outlook. And really it's a short-term outlook which is clouding uh, CSL share price at the moment. If we have a look at the split of CSL's earnings, typically the first half versus the second half, the first half tends to be much stronger and then the second half tends to be weaker. And we have seen the first half results coming out now. So we're expecting to see a weaker second half. So that's obviously impacting on the share price. Also what we've seen through COVID-19, at the heart of CSL's business, it's a blood business. It needs to collect blood and then sell that blood. Um, and look, the collection of blood has been under pressure because of COVID-19 over in the US. Some of that will normalize as vaccines roll out, but I suspect we're going to go from very weak supply of plasma to very strong supply of plasma um, virtually overnight. So that's a pretty challenging environment to deal with. And of course, considering there's around about a nine month lag from the collection of blood to people using the blood, um, it means that 2022 is looking relatively soft as well. So look, I think short term weakness here, but long term, you know, the blood market, you'd expect hospital activity to normalize mm. and CSL's business to normalize as well. Okay, what about a company like Xero? Uh, analysts think about 7.4% downside, but to me, this is a company for the future. It's going to do well in the future. That's my view. What do you think? Just a sec, Pete. I, I couldn't hear you. Um, okay. I'm just going to turn the volume up. 
Okay, ready? You hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, right. Now, uh, Julia, what about a company like Zero? Down at the moment, but I really like this long term. Yeah, I think when you're looking at a company like Zero, the big question to ask is whether there's extra growth ahead or whether it's saturated the market. So whether it's post-growth or pre-growth. And I think Zero, it keeps on adding new functionality to its product. It's pretty much got a hold on the Australia and New Zealand market. I think the US market will be a more difficult nut to crack because there's a lot uh, larger competitors. I think the beauty with Zero is when, you know, all the accountants are using it and everyone around you is using it as as well, when you get an invoice from uh, a company using Zero, you can save the invoice straight into Zero if you're using Zero as well. And I don't think they're going to quite get that network effect over in the US. So I like the Australian New Zealand side of the business and the bolt-ons, but I suspect they're going to have to spend a lot more money to try and get through in the US, and it's going to be a lot more difficult. So probably a bit neutral on Zero at the moment. What about Reliance Worldwide? Reliance Worldwide uh, looks at plumbing products. Um, so look, we, we are seeing a bit of a mini house building boom and also a property boom around the globe, which probably mm. bodes well for Reliance Worldwide. So look, this one probably looking good at this point in the cycle. I'd just continually be watching those sales numbers um, because as we do start to see travel opening up, it'd be interesting to see whether we see that money that's being diverted into retail and home improvement being, uh, being taken away a little bit. So um, I think Reliance Worldwide looking quite good because a lot of the plans already are in place, which probably means a strong outlook over the next six to 18 months for Reliance Worldwide. Julia Lee, thanks for joining us. Talk to you mm -hmm. next week. Thanks, Pete. Well, I'm catching up with Paul Rickard now. And I want to talk to him about well, it's a stock that he's been watching very carefully to see whether it's a buy or not. I'm also going to run by him some of the stocks I think are holds for the future. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. You know a piece today for the Switzer Report on AGL. What was your conclusion? Yeah, look, I've had a lot of people write to me about AGL. Um, it's been a, sort of the falling knife, Peter. It's basically been a one-way train now for almost four years. Yeah. Lost about uh, two-thirds of its value, um, down to about $9.60. How big was it its best, Paul? It at its best, it was in $26, yeah. $27, uh, for so-called blue chip, now at $9.65. I think a lot of people have got in a little bit early on, after, on, uh, on AGL. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the question now is, is, is there value? I, mean, I think there's a bit of value starting to emerge, Peter, but it's still forecasting some pretty tough next couple of years because there's still a lot of pressure on the electricity price. This is the, partly the, uh, what the federal government with the ACCC yeah. is doing, really beating up AGL and others in the, in the uh, wholesale power For game. political purposes. For political purposes. I mean, AGL made a lot of really bad mistakes. I think the whole thing with the Liddell Power Station was a huge mm. mistake by the then AGL board, and that really galvanised both the federal government and the ACCC to take out the big hammer and they've been beating. Mm. And uh, I think in, in the, even in retail land now, the, the um, energy minister was quoted the other day as saying that retail energy prices have now fallen eight quarters in a row. And uh, so AGL is copying on both fronts. A, it's, it's primarily about 85% of its revenue is out of wholesale generation mm. and it's the biggest uh, producer using coal in Australia, despite what AGL likes to say. Mm. Uh, and also, it's, it's retail business, which of course is a, as a distributor of both electricity and gas brands, such as Click that it's bought, as well as its own direct AGL sales. Yep. 
Retail price is also under, under pressure because uh, everyone's learning how to shop around better. So mm. uh, profits are down, forecasting the tough rest of this year, a tough next financial year, profits are down. The question is, are we getting towards the bottom? That's what the market's banking on and that's where the value is starting to emerge. But uh, I walked away from my analysis saying, I just don't really think there's enough reason. I think if I want to look for the market to go up, there are other stocks that I think will take yeah, the And that's first. the point, isn't it? It could be an okay company, but there are better companies out there. Now, Paul, what is... one thing, and a lot of people, I think, are looking at the income yield, Peter. I was going to ask that question. And it's paying about 8% this year mm. as a dividend. That looks pretty attractive. That's unfranked. Unfranked. But next year, they're only forecasting about 6%. What you'll be careful of is, is ADL is telling you next year profits can't be down, right? Yeah. Uh, this is, is FY22. because they haven't been paying any tax? Uh, they've got a lot of uh, depreciation and other allowances, all the write-offs for their power stations, right, uh, right. And, uh, and that's why they're not paying any tax. So no franking for at least two years, and they're supplementing that by paying out 100% of earnings. But Gee. earnings are going to be down next year, so just be careful about the income trap. I think there's value, but as I said, Peter, I just can see other stocks that are more appealing, yeah. and uh, maybe we've seen the bottom, maybe we haven't, but uh, I think you can do better. And once upon a time when it was a $20 stock, people did buy it for income, didn't they, Paul? Yeah, it was, a, I, it was in a lot of my portfolios, Peter. I, I, own, I still own some AGL shares. I didn't see the, the, the decline being as steep as it was. No. I do remember disagreeing with the analysts. Every analyst loved it at $26, and I thought, this is way overpriced. Mm. But I had no expectation it would come down to uh, $9.50. So... Mm. Uh, you know, a great, a good exercise for the, it'll go down the lesson books, Peter, as, as how not to antagonise a government. Mm. And when you're in a regulated industry and you get the government offside and you get the ACCC offside, um, you know, they, the, the shareholders ultimately mm. copped a lot of mismanagement by the board and the <coughs> then managing director. And I guess it's is a, a company that the ESG funds, the ethical funds, would invest in or not? Because not of really, Peter. It's, it's trying to do a lot in the green space, yeah. but still 85% of its, its of its revenue comes out of electricity generation. And of that 85%, about 85% still is out of coal. <laughs> yeah. So it's a long, long way from being e an ESG-friendly company. Now, it's tried all that sort of stuff, and it's obviously investing more in renewables, but... Mm. Look, that's not going to make a difference to its profitability in the next uh, five to ten years. Okay, so that's one that you wouldn't necessarily recommend I'm not to a relative who's putting together a portfolio for a long-term hold. It wouldn't be my core stock for a long-term hold. What about CSL? Yes, CSL would be, Peter. I mean, the market's a bit down on CSL, um, look, I think mainly because two reasons. One is the plasma collection issue in the US, and they really do... Um, rely upon collecting uh, blood plasma uh, from a lot of collection centres in the US, mainly in the poorer neighbourhoods, and, and that they've been impacted by COVID-19, higher costs, fewer collections. Also, the currency headwinds. Now, the currency's pulled back a bit, so that should give you a bit more confidence. I think it's also the US lead, Peter. We know that in the States, you know, me med medical companies are out of favour, mm. and we're sort of playing a bit of sort of follow the leader, follow the leader in Australia. So our whole health sector uh, is under a bit of pressure. JB Hi-Fi? Certainly been my portfolio, the best retailer by Is it buy now or you wait a couple of months because the market's kind of Look, I thought when it first went up to $50, it was way overpriced, take profits. Um, I think that the uh, COVID change, I think there's more permanency to this. I think, mm. I think it's going to be a long time before there's a lot of money going outside Australia mm. on, on to travel. Uh, we're now all learning to, to, to live within in this, in the country. A lot of work, go money going into homes. Mm. People are also getting used to sort of doing a bit of part-time work or home, work, sorry, work from home. Mm. They need you know, more furnishings, better electrical equipment. I think those, some of those sort of uh, 
changes are going to be sort of semi-permanent. So it's learn how to cope with Amazon. Who's yeah. ever, you know, Amazon's around, but mm. so so what? Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of the, the, the negativity about uh, that JB Hi-Fi and, and Harvey Norman suffered to us to an extent mm. is, uh, has gone. Yeah. So yes, it would be, Peter. I think the, they're the sort of company year in, year out, higher sales, mm. higher earnings per share, higher dividends, have a look at their five and 10 year track record yeah. and you back that. In fact, uh, in today's story, I, I finished off by showing the chart of JB Hi-Fi. I said, if all your company, companies in your portfolio had charts like this, you would be very wealthy. Paul, while on that subject, if you think people are going to be buying, and Harvey Norman historically has been good for dividends, mm -hmm. do you think people will buy stocks like Harvey Norman, not only for the, the buying part, but the dividends are still pretty strong, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, both, both JP Hi-Fi and, and uh, Harvey Norman have great dividend yields. One of the reasons is being a retailer, you, it's not as though there's a lot of capital required. You've got to buy and build new stores. Yeah. But uh, those opportunities are pretty select and mm. they come up when new developments are occurring and uh, they're pretty careful of how they manage, manage their fleet of stores. Mm. But there's not a lot of capital expenditures. So JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman traditionally have, have had pretty high payout ratios, mm. you know, 70, 75%. So every dollar they're making in profit comes back as 75 cents come back as, as dividend. They're not mm. like a big mining company that's got to go invest billions of dollars to develop a mine. Um, so they have a lot higher payout ratios and, uh, and the dividends are pretty good. What about a company like ResMed? I always find when the pr price of ResMed goes down and the analysts you know, might like it, but when it's down, it tends to impress on the high side next time it reports. You know, a great Australian success story, ResMed, and I've been, um, it's been a core stock in most of my portfolios now for, yeah. for several years. I just keep getting amazed at how much it's been able to grow. Yeah. Um, I do get worried that in the sleep apnea market, maybe there's more competitors starting to emerge. Mm. I notice they're doing a lot of advertising now in Australia. Mm. You didn't used to see a lot of ResMed, but you mm. do now. Now that's good in a way, but for brand awareness, but you worry whether it's getting harder to actually um, mm. generate the same growth in sales. Mm. I, I think I'm a, if I had ResMed in the, you know, would, would I buy it now? Maybe not. Would I be, if it was in my portfolio already, would I hang on to it? Yes, because there's no reason to sell it. I'm just not sure it would be my, one of my stocks for the next 10 years. Analysts think 16.3% upside. And as I say, I've often found that whenever the market marks it down, it tends yep. to impress on the high side. Last one before we go, Paul. I wrote a piece in Weekend Switzer about Tesla. Uh, down 30%. Um, I thought probably a, a target to... to look for about five hundred dollars it's around the six hundred dollar yep. mark now uh, you wrote you wrote a piece ages ago and 400 was your entry point wasn't it but you were, you were well, more scabby I, than I, I was sort of uh, not i almost said you should buy it because it just had so much momentum yeah and i said we wanted to play with the lithium it was easier buying tesla than finding some i won't say dodgy australian lithium producer yeah. but but take it out now look um I suppose I've got two minds about Tesla, Peter. I think there's a lot more competition coming in the electric vehicles. Look, there's no doubt it's the category leader, yeah. but there's so much money going into that whole sector now. Um, and Tesla is still worth more than all the other car com companies combined. Mm -hmm. So I I'm not sure in a big pull. I can see why there's a pullback started to emerge in Tesla, because I think people are suddenly waking up and saying that uh, there's going to be a lot of competition for it. Mm. Now, it's a great company. It's got some unique assets. It's very hard to match that car. Hmm. I'm going to be a bit more patient, Peter. I think it might have had the run, uh, and I thought it was a I thought it was a courageous call of yours <laughs> to talk about five. Yeah. We're still not there yet, yeah. right? We're, we're about five at five, just under six hundred last night. Well, uh, Jimbo Lou made the point, which I hadn't thought about, and I wish I wish I'd written into the story, was that 
it, it is favoured from the point of view that ESG ethical mm -hmm. funds are buying Tesla because it's like the the, the starship of, of that group of companies in the, the green space and electric, electric vehicles are the ones. But you do believe that electronic vehicles and a lot of related companies are going to do well. I think uh, the, the revolution, the electronic vehicles are here. Uh, all the investment from all the major uh, producers around the world is now EV. Mm. So, you know, I reckon that's got huge implications for people buying new traditional motor vehicles, yep. right? Because I think the secondary market for these things in five years' time is going to look very different. So yep. I, I have a big caution. Mm. Uh, maybe it will take three to four years, but mm. there's so much money going into it. Don't buy a diesel motor car, I'd say. Maybe mm. diesel for, for off-road and for... for, for uh, you know, for trucks and things, but diesel motor vehicles won't exist. They're no. just not going to make them. So be careful with that one. But this is the way of the future, Peter. The revolution is here. It started in Europe. It's spread into the US. Mm. Uh, and we're all going to be driving EVs in, uh, look, not three or four years' time, but over the next 10 to 15 years. I, I know a, f a few months ago I made the point that General Motors getting into EV was good for the stock, and the stock price has done very well. But another point you always make, Paul, because I listen to you very carefully, you always say, by the, the leader in an industry. Tesla yeah. is the leader. so look, by, by the category leader, Tesla is the category leader. There's no doubt about that. There is some research, though, that says that when, sh when you're in the category leader and you, you innovate, eventually everyone else comes at you, mm. and what they do is they go, they make life really tough because mm. they come out cheaper, mm. and you, they force you to go up market, and, and, and if you go down market, you get killed. Now, mm. Tesla hasn't gone down market yet, but it's got such enormous growth aspirations priced into the stock. Yeah. Uh, when you say well, the, its capitalization is more than all the other motor vehicle companies combined. So that's why I'm a little wary. It's not that I don't think Tesla's a great company, but uh, I think you've just got to be just, I think you need to think carefully about Tesla, even at around $600. Okay, right. That's Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. That's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.